What he typed into that box made no sense. Welcome to I Thought They Smelled Bad on the Outside, a show that finds a way, it finds a way, and kills dinosaurs? Kills men? Something? I don't know. Well, it's, the it's a really show that... The only memorable quote is T-Rex noises. <laughs> well, you know, it, it's always how it starts. It's ooh and ah, and then comes the running and the screaming. <laughs> Yeah, and that's really what it comes down to, is that the running and the screaming. And the motherfucking T-Rex! <laughs> that's how it all works out, is that there's motherfucking T-Rex. Uh, my name is Scott. I'm Dan. And that's kind of it for right now. We're, we're, it, we're running quiet. We're, we're recovering from the last episode still a little bit. Not so much the hangover as the six-hour edit session that was for me. Ow. Alright. But beyond that, welcome to season six. It's the same as season five, basically. I just changed the, I just changed the tags on the file. Here's the big secret. We put a six on the box. There you go. That's what we did. Speaking of sixes on boxes, Dan, what's your pick for the week? Oh, I think it's pretty obvious. Motherfucking Star Wars. Ah. Uh, Final trailer dropped. Oh my god, that was beautiful. It's really pretty. I, I still kind of wish I had a half a clue who anyone was or what was going on. And I'm, I'm trying not to get super hyped. Because every Star Wars trailer is beautiful, but some of them are for Attack of the Clones. I mean, I I don't want to be that guy who just sort of shits on the fun beforehand, but I gotta just remember that that it's out there, that it happened. You know? Yeah, well, it's kind of what happens when Lucas surrounds himself with nothing but yes men and gets really, really obsessed with the fact that, hey, we can do everything with green screen. Even though it kind of makes it hard for our actors to react and emote with something that's not there. Yeah, and at the same time, I think J.J. Abrams might have... I don't know. He's J.J. Abrams. He gets excited about things I'm not excited about. <laughs> hmm. I'm just happy I managed to get opening night or opening show tickets, or opening day tickets at 7 o'clock. I, I got the 7.30 slot. But that just gives me more time to buy popcorn. <laughs> that that that's what I got. Um, also, speaking of prequels, who the hell is signing up for the seven movie marathon day? I don't know. Like, like I don't want to really get up at three a.m. Yeah, to show up at a movie theater. I mean, yeah, I'll have the benefit of I'll probably sleep through episodes two and three or one will, and two. Will you? Because. 
THX surround sound. You're going to jolt awake during that asteroid field sequence. Oh, yeah. The, the biggest alarm clock in the world is a sonic mine. Oh, you, even the pod race, you're just going to hear those go by your ears. <laughs> like, you, people are saying, oh, we'll sleep through episode one. It's like, will you? Will you? Well, if you manage to, I guess you'll kind of have some pretty awesome fever dreams. That's gonna be that's gonna be weird. Well, I think your fever dreams are gonna be like some guy dressed like Darth Vader shuffling Pat, giving you a quasi laugh dance, and as he moves to go pee midway through a movie. <laughs> you know, you know that thing. You've yeah, done it. it's gonna happen. If if you're in a theater where the the aisles are narrow because they can fit one more row in that way, yeah, come on. Oh man, you got that breathing sound effect really well. <gasps> what sound effect? <gasps> yeah. Those poor theater workers, they gotta get up a- they probably they probably change shifts halfway through episode two. It's like someone on the late shift just pushes the extra two hours and then morning manager just gets in two hours early. That's gotta be how it works, right? Well, like when they did this for the Avengers, didn't they didn't they start at like noon? The date two days before or something. Yeah. Well, that was that was for Age of Ultron for yeah. the first Avengers because I I got tickets for that, but I, I I was working, so I only got I got in just as Hulk was finishing up. So like they started at noon with Iron Man one. So oh geez, yeah, yeah. That I'm I'm not liking the logistics of the eighteen hour movie marathon. Yeah, I mean, that's where I'm at, is 18 hours is a hell of a long time. Well, like, I mean, I could see it for, like, a drive-in where you could just, like, turn your speakers off and sleep in your car, but, jeez. Well, you can't even do a merry movie marathon at a drive-in. You've only got, you know, nine hours of functional show screen time. I mean, that won't even get you through the all three Hobbits. And that's the standard edition. I know, right? I still don't get how the third one's supposed to have a rated R cut. Like, what? Yeah. What? This... Apparently the battle is so much more intense that it got a rated R cut. That is weird. Uh... The MPAA makes no sense to me. Alright, Scott, so what was your pick? Uh, so my pick is today we are recording on October 21st, 2015. And you know what? The internet done good today. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can appreciate the government of Canada's healthcare website going out of their way to announce a recall on DeLoreans because there's an issue when they hit 88 miles an hour. <laughs> Apparently, you oh, can you buy Pepsi Perfect somewhere. Oh, uh, did you see the one about uh, uh, Michael J. Fox was arrested for inside gambling? <laughs> That's a good one. I mean, I don't, I don't really want a hoverboard. I know I would hurt myself with one. But I'd like to see some teenagers hurt themselves on hoverboards. And self-lacing shoes just sound handy. Yes, our topic for tonight is Jurassic Park, a novel by Michael Crichton that did Gangbusters that uh, 
got flipped into a movie by Spielberg and then spawned a bunch of sequels that are, I don't know, mixed bag, let's say. Two got good, good, or it got good at the San Diego scene. Like the last sequence was all right. And three's better left not being talked about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm not even sure about the first one. Because, I mean, I saw it, like, when I was, you know, seven. Which is kind yeah. of the exact right time to have a big CG dinosaur movie come out. Yep. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a shame that Justin couldn't make it. Because he'd have uh, the perspective of someone who probably read the novel in high school and got to see it as, like, a mostly an adult. <laughs> and But to me, it's just like... And re- I, I have rewatched it since I was seven, but every time I do, it, it does that Spielberg thing where it plays on your heartstrings and you can't think too clearly about that stuff for a minute. <laughs> I mean, there's definitely some strong moments in it, and, you know, the the, the well, dinosaurs hold up-ish. It's so, it's such a roller coaster of genres because it starts out as this wonder of science and then it shifts into a horror movie. And then it turns into survival as you, the kids are trekking along this island trying to get out of the T-Rex pen. Yeah. And, and then it ends on a thriller chase with, of course, the motherfucking T-Rex popping in for the last minute to suddenly be a good guy. Well, last minute T-Rex good guy. Last minute T-Rex face turn is a staple of the series now. I, give I or guess, take. Yeah. It's now a thing. <laughs> it's now a thing. And um, I guess the context for my rewatching it in high school was explicitly as a comparison to Frankenstein in sort of the uh, we have played gods uh, genre of sci-fi horror. And I don't know. I don't know if it totally fits. Like it's it's pulling on different themes like. Um, so Frankenstein is very explicitly like, hey, you played God and were shitty at it. Don't do that. It will, it ends badly for everyone. And maybe that says something about our relationship with God. But, eh. but this one is more, it, it, it is way too caught up in the spectacle of it to really develop the theme beyond, hey, dinosaurs. Oh, that went bad. And then we're done. Like, there's there's no somber meditation on what happened. It's just John Williams' score and helicopter flying. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of a nice take on Frankenstein. It kind of also flows pretty well with the whole thing from Godzilla of man thinks that nature is in his control, but it's the other way around. It's like they had this incredible system. They put it to together control- just fine. And then one guy hits the off switch. Well, it all comes unraveling. For well, him. that and there was a problem they would have spotted in a, you know, in a way that was fixable. You know, downtime of a couple of years, maybe, maybe a small population cull. <laughs> you know, just just knock out some of the, uh, you know, just now now you have to deal with a breeding problem. You know, breeding programs, and maybe you knock out the predators, but. There you go. Um, 
and for first and i mean spielberg movies are kind of all about image and ed and shots and cuts and a john williams score tugging at your heartstrings but i think it does have a pretty strong cast i mean jeff goldblum is jeff goldblum is and he's great yeah the uh kids aren't annoying kids oh yeah i know right they they, they fit as kids in an amusement park and they don't any other movie, like when they're running around in the wilds with uh, Dr. Hammond, any other movie, the kids would be fighting him every foot. Like, I want to go this way, or I'm tired, I want to do this. And, and these kids know that this guy is the only adult within like 20 miles, and he is our best bet to get out of here. Like, Richard Attenborough and- is a great character, too. I mean, he could have been... He could have... He could have been so much worse, but I think the 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 story and the car- and the actor just make him just this charming guy who he 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 was so obsessed with the spectacle that he forgot he he maybe forgot how dangerous what he was doing actually was. Oh yeah, I mean he he made Hammond much more likable than Hammond was in the book because before Jurassic World came out, I sat down and read through. Jurassic Park and The Lost World, the the John Crichton novels. And pretty much once the whole thing goes down, Hammond just sits in a room and yells at Ian Malcolm for 12 hours and it's kind of an asshole. And you just you look at him in the movie and he's just kind of like, I'm super rich Santa Claus with my own dinosaur park? Did he he was a Santa Claus, wasn't he? He was in the remake of Miracle on 34. Yeah, you're right. Oh, my God. Wasn't he? I think that was the year following this, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Okay. Wow. <laughs> he was in Gandhi. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, the cast worked. The story worked. Uh, it just... Uh, it's so hard to, like, just put down... An, Put a thumb, your thumb down on what is that you like about these movies, or at least this movie. Yeah, this particular one. Yeah, I, I just the first one felt so perfect with its balance and everything. Yeah, I mean it. It it manages to move between things pretty well. It captures a few genres. It's it's still fun to watch. Still, kind of want one of those cars. There, there, there's a community of guys that buy old, old Ford Explorers to repaint them. They're weird. <laughs> hey, man, I saw one of those park nicks in the Mystery Machine at a Taco Bell. Some shit is going down at that Taco Bell. Oh, something special happened there. <laughs> Although, yeah. yes, I will mention. You know what? This movie doesn't upset like paleontology nerds or biology nerds all that much. But computer programmers get really annoyed with, I know this, it's Linux. Oh. You know what's sad is I just look back at that scene after I got my degree in IT and I actually handle Linux and I was like, no. You know, someone's made a Linux variant that is the floating cubes interface. (laughs) Specifically just to do that. (laughs) Why are all movie computer interfaces so stupid? Ah, <laughs> uh, because it's computers and ooh and ah. Uh. Like so, they they had to pay an animator to 
do that. Like that was it, his someone on this someone gets to say, "Oh yeah, I worked on Jurassic Park. I animated the cubes on the computer screens." It could be worse. It could be the guy in Hackers who's like, "Hey, I just put a bunch of painted glass and a black light in a room." And kind of we zoomed our camera around. <laughs> oh god, you're right. There's that guy. There, there's the guy in Lord of the Rings who is responsible for animating the cave trolls' junk, because <laughs> they had to have the loincloth deform the right way. <clears throat> that is an anatomically correct cave troll. Wow, I didn't realize Lost World was actually five years after. Yeah, no, that that's the thing that that it was a long time, and by then I was older, and I can remember this one a little more clearly. And I did see it in a drive-in, speaking of drive-ins. <laughs> Found one. There's got to be a way I can bring those back. Maybe maybe set up some sort of thing in cottage country where people can pull up in boats. I don't know. Well, we actually have... How do I charge orbits? them? Wait, this, this have, plan fails. <laughs> I actually have a drive-in that's about... I'd say about four miles from me. Oh. That's, that's not far at all. Yeah, it's a nice. Well, it's a nice, simple little two-screen thing. I mean, first time I went there was for uh, Godzilla '98. Oh God! <laughs> but I mean, still gets plenty of business in the summer. Well, <laughs> winter business is going to be the key. It's got to be the trick. But I don't think that works. Yeah, so Lost World in 97. 1997, we pick up, you know, a few years on, and Jeff Goldblum is touring with his book, and he finds out there's a whole other island that they never mentioned before and didn't do anything with? Well, from what I understand, because of the way they also explain in the book is, that's where they birthed. Yeah, that and, like that's and, the breeding ground, yeah, right? Yeah, they, that's where they breeded the dinosaurs, and then they transported them to Isla Neblar or Neblar. Yeah, Il, Isla Neblar. Yeah, for none of us speak Spanish, the by the way. <laughs> yeah, so they 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 moved it to Neb. Ne, yeah, the uh, the main island, which was the zoo. So essentially, this is where they. I mean. It's where they hatch the dinosaurs, and in the books, it kind of gets a little rough because it's like, oh, this is where we go through and also terminate any males that are born. Yeah, like, I think there was something about them supposed having supposedly died off without any supervision. Like, that's part of the plan. Yeah, but the problem is they didn't. <laughs> but they weren't, so they had to send a team to, you know, check up on that. And you send in, and, and you send Jeff Goldblum because he understands dinosaur hunting, I guess? He was the only actor they could get back. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, stuff ensues. They capture a T-Rex and decide to let it run around San Francisco, and the whole end of the movie is just a big homage to King Kong. Yep. Except without any building climbing or Fay Ray. Hmm. Yeah, this one was very different from the book because the book never left the island. They they threw that last bit in there for cinematic flair, which I don't mind because 
Well, I think they've already had, like, dinosaurs stomping around an island before. We need to get this in the city. Right. And you kind of have this goofy Greenpeace versus corporation that wants to take these animals back for their original purpose and put them in a zoo. Well, it probably shouldn't be. (laughs) Like, now they exist, and they're on an island, and you could just lock it up. But no. (laughs) Well, that's eventually what they did at the end. And then in three, we find out that people take all sorts of extracurricular visits there. Yeah. Like the second movie's okay. I mean, it was entertaining for what it was. It wasn't better than the original, but I mean, there's nothing really good or bad to say about two. It's just kind of meh. It, it's a sequel that did sequel things. And Jurassic Park 3, I had forgotten I had seen this movie. Like oh. it, this came out yet, yet again about five years later in 2001. And yeah. they got, they, this time their recurring actor was Sam Neill. And you could totally tell he was just doing it for a paycheck. You know what? <sighs> There's nothing wrong with doing work for a paycheck. But you, you, you pretend to smile while you do it. Come on, Sam. Uh, but, yeah, this this one pretty much did everything that could have been wrong in the first one. To, like, the nth degree. You have the... No, the kid was actually pretty tolerable, but his parents. Yeah, they they, just, they they flipped that. It's like, hey, let's have some yuppie parents and a perfectly sane child. <laughs> yeah, the the parents are freaking idiots. Um, to try to boost toy sales, you get the Egyptosaurus or whatever the hell it was, to, or Spinosaurus, to be the big bad, even though it's a fish eater. I don't know, man. They're they're just pulling dinosaurs, man. I- Everyone's here for Velociraptors. Why pretend otherwise? The whole movie was like, man, that scene in the kitchen with the Velociraptors was great. Let's try to do something like that again. And it never, never quite managed to fix that. Although, fun fact, there's a ride at Universal Studios that is dinosaur parasailing. You can't get on it if you're not, if if you're over like 12. That's rough. There's a different Jurassic Park ride that's similar to the first movie. It's 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 a log flume kind of thing where it's like you're on the boat tour at Jurassic Park. So you have animatronic herbivores and then you accidentally get routed through the predator enclosures and things go wrong. And then, you know, big giant T-Rex jumps out at you and you do a log flume drop and it's fun. <laughs> yeah, it's a theme ride with a water slide at the end. So. Yeah. What more do you want? But yeah, Jurassic Park 3. I had, I, it, I feel bad that I remember this movie now. Like, I rem- Yeah, jeez. It, honestly, it's like, if it's ever on TV, I'm like, I can find something better. You know what, what's on Netflix? I've got a Netflix queue, don't I? <laughs> like, I feel like there's going to be a whole generation 
that never watches mediocre sci-fi movies just by virtue of the fact that they're on cable and you have nothing else to do with the afternoon. Like, you're always going to have a Netflix queue. It's it's never going away. So you will not watch. So if you put some if you put a mediocre sci-fi movie in your in your Netflix queue, you'll just stop after half an hour cuz there's two more things in the queue. No one no one will watch Beastmaster 2 anymore just because hey Beastmaster 2. Think about that. There's the Beastmaster stuck in 1992 LA. And what's really sad is the first of the Beastmaster movies I ever saw was 2. That's rough, buddy. Yeah. Okay, so then then we've got Jurassic World picking up 14 years later. <laughs> and um, this is like four movies kind of slapped together, I think. It's a bit of a Franken movie, but Trevorrow... They, they did man, their best. I mean, it, he, it, it's not unwatchable. It's just sort of like, man, those kids stop mattering pretty fast. Why are they still in this movie? <laughs> Yeah, it, it was kind of pretty obvious that they're just there so we can see what happens when the cameras aren't, or when people aren't chasing the Indominus. Like, I like they're 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 a shout out to the, well, there's always a tag along kid in these movies, and these ones feel the most superfluous, especially because their emotional arc kind of stops. It's like, hey, we're bros, I guess maybe. Well, the the one thing I do like about it is that they're not like the super annoying kid or the genius wonder kid, like at the end of one with uh, the 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 fourteen year old girl suddenly being a master at Linux, um, and instead they're just like, dude, we are just stuck here. We're gonna hide. We're gonna hide we're in gonna the hide souvenir the stand. <laughs> <laughs> was that was the younger brother supposed to be autistic? I don't know. I think I honestly think it was one of those things because it suddenly comes up halfway through the movie that he's just doing stuff to try to distract himself from the the fact that his parents are kind of sent the kids away while they figure out their divorce and the the they're they're essentially they're supposed to be wondered and oohed and odd and it just finally hits them when they're on that tram ride and. I don't know. I think I think he was just kind of distracting himself, I guess. I don't even know if it's that. It's like he's got this weird compulsion about not just dinosaurs, but Jurassic Park in particular. Like he's he's a theme park geek. Well, dude, okay, take you or me at his age and put us in a Star Wars park. Oh, yeah, we'd be I know. the same way. I know we'd be the exact same way. But it's sort of like that you You've got all these characters and none of them quite click. Like you've got the control room people who, you know what? They're they're a handy means of expositing and throwing shout outs to old stuff. And then you've got mad scientist guy and evil army guy who are villain ish. <laughs> I love that like BD Wong is just like, oh, you know, we... We use cuttlefish DNA and snake DNA to fill in these gaps. 
Yeah, we did that not was an have accident. any sort of military applications in mind for this. This is purely no because you wanted how. something big. Mm. Yep, it's all for science. No military contracts in the background at all. I mean, apparently this might be laying track for another sequel, which was the proposed Jurassic Park 4 to begin with from a billion years ago. But who knows? I mean... That this movie will probably happen. Jurassic Park Five will probably happen. This four made so much money; it's not even funny. Well, the the weird thing is, is four. It didn't get caught up in being a remake. It it was such a love letter to the original without just being without just phoning it in. I don't know. I feel like I don't want to say it's phoned in, but because it's a Franken movie. There's never a point where you're like, wow, what happens when Dr. Frankenstein needs to cut deals with a Verizon to get monsters made? Like, it never de fully develops anything. So you're just sort of like, well, Chris Pratt's super charming and he has raptor bros. <laughs> I like that. Well, that was my biggest worry was that Chris Pat Pratt was going to be just Star-Lord with dinosaurs. And he wasn't. He I mean, yeah, act. there was there was that there was that bit at the beginning where uh, where Bryce Dallas Howard shows up at his little bungalow RV hot RV that <laughs> you know he can just have at an amusement park. It's a big island. They aren't gonna. They don't need to develop parking lots. They can just have space for whatever. But like. He was cool. He was kind of like Indiana Jones-ish. It's like, don't let the raptors out. Don't let the raptors out. Okay, we're going to let the raptors out, but uh, good luck getting back. <laughs> and then last minute, they remembered the head T-Rex for a face turn. And that was, that was the crazy five-way smackdown with that. that I'll be honest. To, like, the climax I is fun forgot. to watch. <laughs> That scene made me as giddy as seeing the spikes glow on Godzilla's back last year. Like, I, as soon as the kid screams, we need more teeth. And then she runs and she was like, open the paddock. And I'm like, oh, no, they're not going to. She cracked the oh flare. Oh, my God, and they're going to. Oh, holy shit. Okay, and speaking of Bryce Dallas Howard running, like, there's a lot of complaining going on in certain spheres of the internet. It's like, they made a joke about her running in high heels, and I'm like, yeah. And then she ran in high heels for a whole movie and was never punished for it. Girl knows what she's doing. Well, you're arguing about her running in high heels in a movie where they're being chased by CGI dinosaurs. Well, I mean... And this is the weird part, is that this franchise has always been pretty good to its female characters. Are you talking about the Zara thing or whatever? No, all of them. Like, I mean, you've got Alex, who say gets to save the day at the end. You've got Gymnastics Girl, who can dropkick a Velociraptor. And uh, Julianne Moore's character from 2 is also not damsel-y. I mean, it's... Did 3 have characters? I don't think Jurassic Park 3 actually had characters. I think it just had Sam Neill's hat. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Neill's hat and hair. Yeah. I don't know. I I enjoyed it. I liked it. it I mean, it's... 
I I see where it could be better, but I'm also like, eh. What they had was really really good. Like there there's there's there are bits of it, and I look at it, and I'm like, more that. Give me more of that. Make that work with everything else. And it just doesn't. I mean, it's like B minus. Good, good, good first effort. Maybe submit another draft. <laughs> I. There was definitely a lot of stuff, especially with the Adamas of plot allowing it to do whatever it wanted, like it being smart enough to cloak itself and fake clawing out of the bin and, you know, Bryce Dallas Howard, rather than making the phone call right there where there's plenty of cameras and terminals in that little observation room, decides to get in her car and drive out, make the phone call. It's weird. It is weird. I <laughs> there's weird little things and some good little things. It's 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 gonna be a while before I revisit the movie. I'll say that. Like I have not gone out of my way to now that it's on home video. I've not gone out of my way to say, hey, I should make some time and watch that movie again. I'm just gonna be like, hey, it's on Netflix, maybe. Uh, I picked it up just to show it to my friends who didn't get a chance to see it in the theater. So I mean. I really enjoyed it. I still need to pick up one of the first three movies on Blu-ray. Are you sure? Are you sure you do? At least the original. If I can find it standalone and not part of that three-pack. Yeah, that I think that's going to be the problem. Give that some time and they'll bust up that three-pack again. Apparently Telltale made a Jurassic Park game. But it's that weird, not quite... It, it's before Telltale became Telltale. Yeah. It's before Walking Dead. <laughs> it, 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 yeah. That's the other thing that was kind of weird about this one, was they they never explained on whether or not the second two movies happened. No, they, they happened, because they've got Ian Malcolm's book on What's-His-Face's Desk. Right, but that's his book that he wrote after the first movie. Yes, but he was touring with it in the second. Mm, good point. Like they they do they they do say something about reclaiming both islands. And wasn't wasn't what's his face's character, the scientist guy in the previous movies? He was in the first one. Okay, Eddie Wong was in the very first one because he's the dude who's like, oh yeah, that one's a Velociraptor. You know, he he's just random techie. Okay, the, the first he is techie that they found again, because eh, what else is he going to do? Apparently breed bioweapons under the guise of park attractions. I guess. I was... Oh, he was in my... Oh, he was in Marco Polo. That's nifty. Oh, wait, not that Marco Polo. The other Marco Polo. The bad he one. was also... I think he's like the psychiatrist in the... Uh, Law and Order SVU. Oh, yeah, he is. Weird. So, Jurassic Park. Man should not play God because God killed dinosaurs for a reason? I don't know. Uh, life, uh, life, uh, finds a way. <laughs> it does. <laughs> It's so weird to see Vincent D'Onofrio in other things. <laughs> well, I mean, you see him go from being the kingpin to 
asshole military guy. Yeah, it it he was so good at that to just see him be like generic southern guy shouting about dinosaurs. <laughs> generic southern guy who somehow raised an Alaskan wolf pup. It, that dude was just a concoction of stereotypes and tropes. Oh, holy crap, Jimmy Buffett is actually in the movie escaping from Mar- the Margaritaville restaurant in the park. He's, oh, I, I kept seeing a bunch of animated gifs of a guy running around with two margaritas. That must be him. Yeah, that's, that's genius. That is genius. You get that, that's genius. Props to whoever got the 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 work the deal to get that together though you probably deserve to get paid more than the guy who got jimmy fallon for the orb ride that that feels like normal theme parkiness (laughs) that's the other thing is like what sense does it make for you to have complete independent control of a ball sphere thing well theoretic like the theory is that it's bulletproof glass so that the herbivores will swat it away and you'll be fine but then i'm like no no stegosaurus can can really fuck a thing up it could knock you into a tree you're gonna bounce around and get whiplash someone's getting whiplash is what it comes down to i mean it was a cool effect but man that was totally impractical breeding dinosaurs wasn't in Irresponsible enough, giving teenagers control of gyro balls to annoy stegosauri. It's just a bad plan. If you roll your uh, invisosphere near a stegosaurus, you're in for a bad time, man. It's not going to end well for you. I hope you ate. I hope you hadn't had lunch yet. <laughs> oh God, you can get margaritas everywhere. They're going to be drunk assholes in gyrospheres taunting. Triceratopses. <laughs> I'm just envisioning some dude who is so far. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just envisioning a dude so hammered that he is literally just rolling his sphere into the shin of this brontosaurus, and the brontosaurus just doesn't give a fuck. It's just sitting there with its head sixty feet in the air, just chewing on chewing on leaves, and then just giving a disapproving glare down at the guy in the little sphere. <laughs> Also, can I just say that the fan theory where it's like, no, Chris Pratt's character is totally that kid from the first movie. Why? Because like, everything has to be connected. It's just like this bullshit with the, this new Star Wars that Finn is Lando's kid because apparently there's, there's only, only one five black, black guy. guys. <laughs> yeah, there's only five black guys in all of Star Wars. Like, I, I get that it's a fun thing to think about, but there's no clue that it's... That that is the possibility, and what does it add to the movie? What does it add to either movie? Maybe that kid was just freaked out and went home, and went to, off to be a normal teenager and got a job. I don't know in HR. Come on, I, like fan theories just drive me up a wall. Like even though we have all you know, Lucasfilm spent probably a couple million dollars at this point, all this promo stuff, some of it featuring, uh, what's his name is Kylo Ren. Yeah. The dude is walking around on set with his mask off. 
Like he's not hiding his face like Darth Vader. People are seeing him. And then there's this wild, crazy fan theory because Luke didn't show up in the trailer and he's not on the poster that Kyro Ren is actually evil Luke. It's like, do you fuckers hear yourselves? That doesn't look. I remember being neck deep in fan speculation during the prequels and finding those guys that were convinced that Senator Palpatine was not the Emperor from the last movie, despite every indication that they're totally the same guy and all of this supporting stuff from, you know, adaptations. And I'm I'm not talking EU material. I'm talking just like, hey, here is here here's the comic book version of episode two. Or let's completely ignore the fact that we got the same actor. Yeah. I mean, and this, I don't, I don't begrudge the fan theory because sometimes they're fun. But sometimes I'm like, what does this add to the media? Like the, like the, the Kanto War theory. Have you heard this one? No, what's that? Okay, so in Pokemon Gen 1, there are no adults. Basically. Like that, or there are no, there are no, young adults everyone is either old or 12 oh yeah i think i've heard this and like like lieutenant surge mentions there being a war and he fought it with pokemon so clearly kanto is recovering from large scale poke war and that's why there's no one around and why and i'm like what does this add to pokemon it's a fun, kid-friendly universe. We gotta grim it up. Yeah, except it's not even, like, an interesting grim up. Like, I kind of like the tongue-in-cheek description that um, the guys at uh, GOO gave the setting in uh, Cute and Fuzzy Cockfighting Seizure Monsters. The first chapter is worth the whole cost of the book, if you find it. <laughs> and it just... Like, rampant fan speculation... It could, it can, it can start an interesting conversation, or it can make you sound like a raving idiot. Like basically, any time, like any theory someone has about Evangelion is a crock. Well, like there, I had a bunch of friends who I kept trying to tell them, "Dude, it's right there on the poster." This little kid in episode one, Anakin, is going to become Darth motherfucking Vader. No, he's not. He's going to a good guy. Oh, God. No, Who's fucking shadow is no, on the Here's wall. my story. Is, uh, my story about fandom being weird is people were really convinced that Helsing is deep. Like, Helsing. It, it's that they they were really trying to read into shit. And I'm like, guys... It is someone's fan fiction sequel to Francis Ford Coppola's film Bram Stoker's Dracula. And there is no subtlety. There is no subtext. Everything is text. He bold face 16 point font. Yeah, like he like why why would why would you have a shade of characterization when the main character can just narrate how he feels? He wants Bitch. to die. That's it. He wants to die. He's looking for someone who can finally goddamn kill him. He says so. He appreciates the aging process in humans. He compliments old ladies all the time. Bitch, I eat people. 
bitch I eat people. Oh, there's a new episode of that coming this year, isn't there? Finally? <laughs> well, they do one every Halloween, right? That's the rules. They have to. Is that it? I, I thought it was just like... Uh, I thought it was just Taka was getting to when he had a chance. No, I think I think the goal was always to have it ready around October, and if they could premiere it at a con, they might hold off on it for a week or two, just to. Oh, be... okay, that that makes sense because that only, it also kind of freakishly lines up with the release schedule for the OVA. Yeah, like it all works out, but that yeah, that that's what we've got about Jurassic Park and also fan theories. We'll see you next time for more things. And stuff. And stuff. At the places. With and the thing. things. So you should... Uh, you know what? Uh, obviously, uh, comment, subscribe, share it. Do that stuff. Gosh. I thought they smelled bad. On the outside. I Thought They Smelled Bad on the Outside is released under Creative Commons Attribution Share of Life Non-Commercial 3.0 International License. Please visit spopodcast.com for contact information, social media links, and past episodes.